Hello, it's Brittany here, and welcome to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. This podcast is a spin-off my blog, BrittanyAmoses.com, where I talk about the intersection of faith and mental health and how that applies to our everyday life. You're listening to episode four, and I am really stirred for today's discussion or topic, if you will. Uh, Not only because I have dealt with this personally, but because I know that there are a lot of you who are dealing with this or have dealt with this in your past. And we're talking about codependency within toxic relationships, including but not only romantic relationships, and creating an environment for real change. You know, a lot of times we see people we really care about or even ourselves caught up in a very toxic situation or relationship and wonder how they got there or how we got so deeply trapped that the dysfunction has become our norm. And the thing is, these situations, these relationships, they don't start off toxic. But little by little, unhealthy growing behaviors go uncommunicated and neglected, and it cycles into a lifestyle. And honestly, there are multiple reasons why we don't address what's going on. Uh, We don't want to be rejected if we bring it up. We don't want to be alone should the person leave. Uh, We don't do well with the discomfort of change. That being said, I would like to give you an example with a short testimony of my own. A lot of you guys kind of know my story, but some of you guys don't. So some years ago, I was in a very toxic and codependent relationship where I took on the responsibility of trying to save someone, you know, and it was, it was bigger than me. It was out of my hands. The other person was struggling with addiction. And for those of you who are familiar with the world of substance abuse, you probably understand that codependency is very prevalent in these cases of addiction. Uh, There was a lot of habitual lying and stealing money to fund the addiction. Uh, There was some infidelity and cheating. Uh, There was just all around a lot of a lot of toxic behaviors and a lot of us hold on to these relationships and try to make it work as much as we can when a lot of times it it really is bigger than us. And again, it did not start off this way, but looking back, you can usually recognize the red flags and the small behaviors that you kind of let slide and neglected and didn't really communicate or kept rescuing instead of letting the other person take responsibility for their actions and behaviors, and it enabled the situation to continue and grow. And for me, I ended up taking on full responsibility of this person. I ended up taking on the responsibilities that this person as a full functioning adult could have done for themselves, but didn't because I would pick it, pick it up again. And that's what happens. We kind of tell ourselves, you know, maybe if I do this, they'll change, or maybe if I do this for them, you know, that will inspire them to change when really 
personal change comes from personal conviction of the heart. And a person only feels that by experiencing it for themselves. When you keep on taking responsibility for the other person or keep making it permissible for them to continue in this toxic behavior, you begin the cycle of enabling, which is basically telling them what you're doing is okay because there's no consequence for it. So therefore, there's no reason to stop. And might I add, many times in these situations, uh, words mean nothing. You know, you've already asked them to talk. You've already had multiple discussions about this, maybe. Um, and because there are no actions that are backing those words, it's just another dance that you guys continue to do where you go back and forth, but no change happens. Because even though your words are saying one thing, your actions are contradicting them by not giving any consequence to the situation. It was finally when I put boundaries in place that said, you know, this needs to change or this is going to end up being the resulting consequences that expose the true nature of that person's heart and willingness to change. And that's what boundaries do. And unfortunately, this person decided that they did not want to change and they left. And, you know, of course, that's a fear we have that the person's going to leave. But at the end of the day, would you rather them leave and potentially, through experience, grow and learn from this on their own or stay continued in this cycle that really usually goes nowhere? A lot of times in these toxic situations, as long as you let it pass and you don't say anything, there's quote unquote no problems. But that's a lie. Uh, there's no problems on the surface, but underlyingly there are a lot of problems. And the moment that you address those things, it kind of shakes, shakes things up. And a lot of people don't like that shaking, but that shaking needs to happen so that there is breaking and hopefully rebuilding into something healthier. So that was just one small snapshot of one of the experiences that I've had. But there are other examples of other experiences of enabling toxic behavior, such as uh, a slacker, um, a maybe a roommate or a spouse that won't contribute, a healthy and able-bodied, fully functioning person who will not contribute to the relationship or the household. Anger issues or abusive behaviors, whether verbal, physical, or forms of manipulation are other very common forms of toxic behaviors that are usually enabled and continue uh, because they are not addressed or given boundaries and consequences. And I know that's easier said than done, especially if a person has been a victim in this situation for a long time. Uh, but again, that shaking needs to happen. Being in a relationship where someone has commitment issues or issues with habitual lying, where you take on the responsibility of trying to uh, guard that relationship, but the other person isn't, uh, that relationship's not safe. And let me just say, you are so worth someone committing to you as much as you are committing to them. Do not settle for someone who does not see what you're worth and values what they have when they have you, period. No one is worth losing your mind over. And being in this type of situation keeps you in a constant state of anxiety over what the person is going to do and who they're with and if they're lying or not. Uh, that's a no-go. And there needs to either be, again, boundaries and consequences for that type of behavior or 
it's got to end. Dealing with a demeaning friend or family member is another example of enabling toxic behavior. Having someone in your life who is constantly berating you or bringing you down or having underhanded comments about you. Uh, that's not okay. That's not a healthy relationship. That's not a healthy form of communication. And I don't think anybody uh, should be disrespected in that way. So kind of demanding that respect for yourself in a, in a graceful way and giving examples even of what that looks like, what their behavior looks like, because sometimes they don't recognize it in themselves and saying, hey, you know, this needs to, to change you. You cannot keep talking to me like this. Otherwise, I'm going to have to take I'm going to have to take some space from you because uh, I don't deserve to be talked to or treated this way. And we really need to think about that, you know. And, you know, this starts even with parenting. This is why we discipline our children. We show them boundaries and consequences for those boundaries so they know that there are certain lines that should not be crossed. And we do this out of love for them because as they get older and are more and more exposed to the world, the consequences for those for overstepping those boundaries are harsher. So we discipline them so they don't end up in jail or, you know, destroying their lives. Uh, they learn early on that there is there are consequences for bad behaviors. You know, I can say personally that I have, in different situations, been on both sides. I've been the enabler, where I've allowed somebody's toxic behavior to continue without serious consequence. And I've also been in a situation where I was enabled. You know, for example, when my parents kept helping me out financially, and, you know, it wasn't until I moved out and had to support myself that I got more serious about managing my finances. I kind of had to hit rock bottom a few times to say, oh, I don't want to live this way. I better get it together. So this really brings me to my first main point, and that is that you cannot make this other person change. I know that you think that if you just kind of control, try to control the environment as much as you can and try to get them to read this book or get them to go here and listen to this sermon at church or whatever, if you just try to control the right amount of settings for this person that maybe, just maybe they'll change. But here's the deal. Change comes from inside. Like I said, change, true change comes from personal conviction in the heart. That person for themselves has to feel broken over their behavior. They have to feel um, really honestly enough pain about it to be motivated to change. A lot of times, if we were honest, we're more broken about the situation than the other person is. So we're the ones that are overcompensating, try to make things work when they don't really want it for themselves. It reminds me of John 5. When Jesus is returning to Jerusalem on one of the Jewish holy days, and beside the pool of Bethesda, there is this, this man who is ill. He's been ill for 38 years, and Jesus sees him, and he knows, he knows he'd been dealing with this illness or hang-up for a while. And Jesus asks him, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? He begs a question. And I, I always find this verse very interesting because, uh, you know, Jesus didn't have to ask. He could have just healed him. He could have just 
you know, Hilda's Cygnus, and eventually he does say, stand up, you know, pick up your mat and walk. Um, but the whole purpose of this is that he prompts, he prompts the man to think, to come to his own, uh, his own motivation and his own, his own desire to want to get better instead of, you know, laying around. And I totally believe that this is true of us many times. I believe that God is completely sovereign, that he can intervene in any situation that he wants to. But many times he, he calls us to come to an understanding of our own need for change, of our own conviction, to take the proactive steps to meet our faith with works so that it becomes a true transformation. And many times in dealing with these toxic situations and relationships, whether it be with ourselves or with others, sometimes we pray for the situation to get better, for things to change, and God answers with a lesson. Sometimes, many times, the lesson is the answer. Just think about the prodigal son. God, you know, the father who represents God let his son go about his way. He gave him everything that he needed. And eventually the son goes and through all these destructive behaviors and gambling and whatnot, loses all of his money. He hits rock, rock bottom. And it takes that hitting of rock bottom, of being kind of in the slums with the pigs, of being, of sitting with the consequences of his actions that broke him down and made him sensitive enough to realize his behaviors and run back to the father and and change, right? And of course, this is a wonderful story of grace where God opens his arms up and says, I am here, you know, I am here, you know, I'm glad you learned the lesson. Let's pick you back up again and let's get on the right foot. And frankly, a lot of us are prodigals. A lot of us have to learn by experience. I know I have many times. I've had a stubborn will and it took the breaking where sometimes the loss is still God's goodness, right? The breaking away is God's goodness. God, the breaking up of that relationship, that was God's goodness for you in the long run. You know, uh, the hitting rock bottom with your funds, though it feels terrible, that was God's goodness in the long run to teach you how to uh, steward better. Think about a time when you were really provoked to make a serious change in your life, to change and turn your life over. Think about what it took to get you there. Um, a lot of times it takes pain. It takes the pain of change finally becoming more worth it than the pain of remaining the same. It is the ugly truth that we don't like, but still the truth. So you see, even God operates within the realm of actions and consequences. It's kind of, you can think of it as a natural law when it comes to change in human behavior. There's another verse that comes to mind in 1 Corinthians 5, 5. And at first, upon reading this, it seems really harsh, but it does make sense. You know, it is it is addressing a man. It's calling out a man in the church who is, uh, to put it nicely, living immorally with his stepmother. And, you know, it says, the verse says, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And that, again, it sounds harsh, but here's the deal. 
he's basically saying, you know, let this man run to his demons until he has had enough of those demons. And that's how it is. That's how it is. Sometimes it's like you got to let a person get to a point where they are tired of themselves and they are tired of the consequences that they keep getting themselves into. And they are maybe even destroyed by it for a little while enough to turn back. Again, some will only learn by experiencing the consequences of their actions, ourselves included, and ignoring or saving them from that every time only enables the cycle of toxic and destructive behaviors. If you love them and really want to see them grow, let them choose to take responsibility for their behavior. And remember, consequences are teachers. You know, this doesn't mean that we hold others, you know, or ourselves to standards of perfection or overnight change, but to proactivity and progress in the right direction. It's common that a lot of people are scared of conflict. A lot of people don't like disruption. Some some of you may have been born in a household where things were never really addressed. Everything was just kind of under the rug or hidden, uh, but there was really a lot of destructive things going on and you learn just not to talk about things. Or maybe, again, you fear rejection and loneliness and there's some insecurity and you are afraid that it will backlash on you, that the other person won't like you, quote unquote, uh, might reject you, quote unquote. But here's the truth. There is going to be discomfort either way. It's just a matter of short-term discomfort or long-term discomfort. Think about it with me for a second. Either you're going to have to face the immediate discomfort of addressing the situation and drawing boundaries among the behavior so that you can break down and rebuild something healthier whether that mean whether that means that you are going to rebuild healthier together or you're going to have to let them go and grow and rebuild themselves as you rebuild yourself separately but the the long-term result is that more serious and lasting change. Obviously, you you cannot be responsible for the other person. You cannot know if they are absolutely going to change or not, but you can know for yourself, for your life, for the calling God has on your life, that you are where you need to be so you have the opportunity to experience his best plan for you. So that is a short-term discomfort. It is uncomfortable because you have to face it immediately. You're going to have to process through the change, uh, maybe a change in environment or just the, you know, the internal disruption of maybe not being on the best terms with somebody. But ultimately, it leads to a better and healthier long-term outcome. And the long-term discomfort is this, that you both stay stunted where you are with this because there is no change that you continue to cycle through it that there's no guarantee of any change and you know this could be your life for the next five years 10 years 20 years or the rest so it really comes down to asking yourself the hard questions do you want this to be your life or their life maybe for the rest of your lives are you settling for the comfort of what's familiar in exchange for the potential of a much healthier and fruitful life in the long run? 
Again, you can't be responsible for the other person's behaviors, but you can be for yours. So asking yourself, what am I doing that is enabling this situation? How am I contributing to the fact that this continues? And what are the deep-seated fears that I have that is causing me to hold on and control this situation so much because that's where that's where control and manipulation comes in when there is a deep sense of fear and you don't want to lose something for whatever reason. And you know, is that how I'm going to live my life? Am I going to live my life in fear um, of man, you know, in fear of losing people at the cost of God's calling and purpose for my life. This is, again, it's not about selfishness. It's not about me over them. A lot of times we, as Christians, can read into the Bible and mix up selflessness with worthlessness, and we can't do that. Really, this is not about me over you. This is about us. Because as long as two people stay trapped in codependency, it doesn't go anywhere, and nobody grows or benefits from it. Both get brought down together in the sinking ship. So you're actually choosing both of you by um, by choosing to embark on a healthier path. So here's what you can do in a response to toxic situations and behaviors because I believe that, you know, we do deeply love and care for these people, you know, um, and they love and deeply care for us just not responding to it in, in a healthy way. First of all, we need to or need the other person to take on personal responsibility and have their own personal conviction that motivates them to genuine change. So, you know, after you've had that conversation with them, maybe about how this won't be tolerated anymore and have given those boundaries, let them know, you know, hey, I am here for you. If you are serious about going on this journey, I will, you know, drive you to the therapy appointments or I am happy to be someone you check in with when it comes to the steps that you are taking or to celebrate your victories with. You can offer to be a person of accountability as they are taking the steps that they need to take to better themselves in the situation. Again, you are not doing the work for them. This is the work, the inner work that they are pursuing and doing on their own, and you are a support along the journey. Another thing you can do is extend resources. Hey, I know a person who's gone through this before and dealt with this, and I'm happy to connect you with them if you want to have somebody to talk about it with. Or here is a site or organization or ministry that specifically helps support people who are struggling in this area. Here are some sites that you can check out if you're looking for jobs. You're not putting in the applications for them. You're not doing the work for them. You're pointing them in the right direction so that they can be proactive about their own progress. But remember, this isn't better me and struggling you. Because when there's a toxic or dysfunctional relationship, it takes two. It takes two to tangle. So technically, you're both dealing with dysfunctions. With you enabling them and them being enabled or vice versa. So you both have work that you need to do to get to a healthy and stable place. I have another blog post about how to approach the conversation of setting healthy boundaries uh, in these situations that I will leave in the show notes below. But I did want to leave you with a little food for thought because on both sides of the situation, sometimes we feel the need to save 
someone else or stay in the situation because we don't think that we are worth more. We believe that our worth is dependent on who we are to others and what we do for others and them loving us or choosing us back based on that. And that is not worth that is fear disguised as love many times. And, you know, maybe you do feel called to endure the situation and go through this process with this person. That is fine, you know, to each its own, but at least stop and recognize what is going on within you. My only challenge is that you do look at the situation in its current reality instead of maybe what you idealize it and want it to be and not be afraid to take the steps that you guys need to take to make it a healthier environment. And when we struggle with being the person who's in a bold in the situation, sometimes we continue that way because we think that we aren't worth saving or who we are is who we are and it is past us. It is beyond us. And sometimes it's true. Sometimes the challenges and struggles we face are bigger than us. It is bigger than uh, what we can handle alone and it takes multiple forms of support and seeking out resources and even journeying on our own a bit and facing the struggles and the realities and the consequences to, for it to really hit home of how serious it needs to be for us to change. And that brings me to close with one of my favorite verses, Luke 18, 27, in which Jesus says, that which is impossible with man is not impossible with God. God can redeem any situation. He is ready and willing to walk with us and do the process within us that renews us from the inside out in ways that we cannot within our own human flesh and limitations. So I encourage that we all seek him out in this, that this be our prayer. You know, God, change me, <laughs> fix me, heal me, you know, bring things along my path that set my path, my crooked path straight. It is in this surrendered place that we find ourselves in the best position to face the changes that we need to make. So thank you again for spending your time with me. Hey, if this episode or any other previous episodes have blessed you, it would bless me so much if you left a review on iTunes. Also, feel free to connect with me on social media. If you have any questions or comments about the show, uh, you can find me and my social handles in the show notes. And I look forward to connecting with you guys. I always love to hear uh, what's going on with you and supporting your faith and mental wellness journey as well. Until next time.